Welcome to Cast Dice, the podcast that explores the great big wild world of tabletop gaming that exists today. It has been said, mostly on this podcast, that we are in the middle of a gaming renaissance. There are just too many great games out there that we as gamers can pick up and play at any given moment. It can be it can be really hard to know what to play next, uh, what to spend our hobby time or our hobby dollars on. And sometimes these days, time is more precious than money. And so, you know, making the most of those gaming opportunities is key. And I guess that's the purpose of this podcast, to explore, you know, the games that are out there today that my guests and I have either written or, uh, you know, are playing at the moment and are enjoying um, and or big industry events that are happening in the gaming world. Now, this would be the point when I would start a preamble about the game that I would be discussing today. And in the process, I would have a very long-winded and overly flowery introduction for a uh, co-host. Um, me being the host of the show. Hi, my name is Brad. Uh, I am normally joined by other guests uh, who, you know, who are enjoying the games, as I said in the introduction, um, that we are talking about today. Now... Uh, I'm going to talk about a game today that is not out, and in fact, is a while from being out. Um, but interestingly, we have the rules for it already, and there has been a ton of industry hype. Uh, of course, I am talking about Marvel Crisis Protocol. Now, why am I on here by myself? Well, no one else is playing this really yet. I mean, there's a few diehards, tryhards online who have sort of made their own dice and their own boards, <clears throat> me being one of them, um, who have uh, trialed the game and are very excited about its release. Um, there's been an unbelievable amount of hype about this game. And given that it is a major release coming up for later in the year, um, and it's one that I'm pretty excited about, I thought I would spend this episode of Cast Dice talking about... Uh, the game itself. Now, I, I think in order to start a conversation about what this game is, we need to talk about who has created it. Now, uh, this is a game that has been created by a gaming studio called Atomic Mass Games. Now, you may not know these guys, but um, it's, I believe, three gentlemen that have come across from Privateer Press, uh, and they have created their own game studio, and this game is being backed by a major game company in the form of Fantasy Flight Games. Now, I think this is pretty exciting for a couple of reasons. One, uh, you get the enthusiasm of a young gaming development group, um, you know, some, some game designers who want to make their mark. Now, these are guys that, as I said, have spent time working in the gaming industry previously. They're not complete novices. They are familiar with, you know, the ins and outs of game design, playtesting, making sure that a game system actually runs properly. But they do kind of have something to prove. Um, and I'm, I'm really excited that they are attached to this property. Now, Marvel, of course, Marvel Comics, um, MCU, whichever way you want to look at it, is a massive universe. It is, a, it is fluff on a scale that you know, is rarely seen in the gaming industry. And so having that much background material, those many, that many characters, that, that rich... Uh, fluff to pull from. It can be very intimidating. And I think it kind of takes someone um, who's not afraid of taking risks uh, to, to tackle such a project. Now, I also like that, you know, you have this group that is sort of kicked off and pulled it together. And uh, from all in, from all rumors and uh, discussion online, they have been working for quite a while on this. I don't think this is anything that could be hatched up in a short period of time. Um, but what's exciting is it's backed up by Fantasy Flight Games. Now, that means you have the supply line for Fantasy Flight, which means 
there should not be, um, upon the release of this game, massive shortages. Now, I can hear some people in the background screaming at me over the internet, telling me, you know, what about Star Wars Armada? What about Legion when it released? Um, you know, we in Australia had to wait months for Star Wars Armada after release date before we were able to get our hands on anything. Star Wars Legion wasn't a whole lot better, and some of the core units were just impossible to get right off the bat. Now, yes, that is true, and Fantasy Flight has had problems, uh, you know, making sure that they have enough of a, a hot property um, on release in the past. I mean, we've seen that with X-Wing and with a number of their other popular game systems. Now, this one, just by the sheer name on the cover, Marvel, um, I am anticipating that this is going to be a very popular game. Um, the models look great, the rules look fantastic, and it's a, an established property that has millions of fans worldwide. I am hoping uh, and anticipating that FFG will plan for this major release um, and that we will hopefully be able to get it in our local gaming shop quickly. Uh, now, that is also an exciting thing. This is not a game that is going to Kickstarter. This is not a game that you know is being run by a small uh, company in Spain um, that may have problems getting products to other places. This is Fantasy Flight Games, massive multinational com company. Now, I did mention Spain, of course. That is talking about the elephant in the room, uh, one of many in, that we'll have to talk about over the course of this episode, and that would be Knight's Models. Now, um, of course, Knight Models slash Miniatures is a prolific game company now. Um, they have the Harry Potter uh, license, the DC license. They've put out many games. Um, now, but when that game system first came out, um, it was written in Spanish and it was translated over, and um, maybe it wasn't the most... Um, there were Spanglish problems, let's just put it that way, that um, the game didn't always make sense. Um, there were some loopholes, mainly due to translation errors, um, and though the models did look great. Um, and Mar the Marvel was part of that licensing when it first came out. And um, Knight did produce many Marvel models, and they looked absolutely gorgeous. And from all reports, the game was fun to play. Now, of course, that license came to an end, um, and now FFG is taking it over. Uh, now, I, I don't want to get into all the very obvious comparisons between the two game systems. One, because though I've messed around with um, you know MCP, I have not actually played it fully in yet. I have not you know played the finished product. I basically Frankenstein a kit of the game out of the rules that were published online blank dice that I wrote the signature dice faces on and a set of range rulers that I cut from Plasticard. Now, I don't have the finished mission cards. I mean, there's just so many moving parts to this game that sort of make this game its own that I've kind of made a half-working set out of. Um, enough that I can think, I can safely say that I, I enjoy this game. Um, I enjoy looking forward just playing it in its full form. Um, the other thing is I didn't play the night version of this game. So I'm going to leave that at the door. Um, now, I know that scale then comes into that, um, and this is something that is another big elephant in the room that people keep talking about online. Uh, I know it's one of the big negatives that people are really grumpy about. Um, now, this is a 40 millimeter game. Now, most of us are used to heroic 28s or maybe 32 millimeter, depending on what game system you enjoy playing. This is 40 millimeters. Now, basically what that means is the average human height of a model in this game 
is roughly the size of a Primus Space Marine. Now, that can be quite tall. Um, it does mean it is very much larger than, um, you know, true 28s. If you happen to have some 28 millimeter, um, I know there are quite a few companies that make superhero models or civilians or even sometimes terrain. That can invalidate a lot of people's collections um, when wanting to integrate these models uh, into games with those models. It just it, it won't work. Um, now, this isn't a new move by FFG. Um, they often have uh, slightly different scales, uh, forcing people to buy their products. Now, I could be cynical and say, oh, that's a terrible thing. Uh, but, you know, they, it's their company. It's their business. Um, and I actually like this for another reason. Now, Marvel Crisis Protocol is a small-scaled game. The game board itself is a 3x3, three 3-foot-by-3-foot three, three three battlefield. Um, now, it is expected that you are going to have a fair bit of terrain on that as well. So there's going to be a lot of interactivity. Um, and with larger models on a smaller board, you can actually get into the thick of it really fast. Um, now, I, as I said, have been messing around with this. And I like that the bases are or the models are as big as they are, it means that you're going to get into the, the the thick of it really fast, which should make for short, punchy, fun games, which I, for one, am looking forward to. Now, to go back to Knight models, and I did say there wouldn't be any comparisons, but this will be the one. Uh, Knight is a 32 millimeter game. Now, the difference between a 32 millimeter height model and a 40 millimeter height model is significant, but I don't think it's that significant when you factor in companies that make terrain for these things, like Knights of Dice, for example, a fine Australian company that we quite like in this podcast. Um, I recently acquired a, a table of city terrain from them, and I have been you know, setting up boards. Um, I have a three-by-three three gaming mat that is a city terrain, and I've put down the buildings, and I've been adding scattered terrain um, in preparation for this game's release and for when I've been messing around with the rules. And putting out models that are roughly primary scale in front of those buildings, uh, it doesn't look out of scale. Sure, there's a little bit of a scale difference, but once you're in the heat of the battle, so to speak, I don't think it's going to make that big a difference. I don't think this is as big a deal as some people are making it. Um, I'm really looking forward to, as I said, the game actually <laughs> releasing, so I get my grubby paws on the models and uh, see that for sure. Leaving those elephants behind, um, let's talk about some of the things that I really like about this game. Now, of course, this is the Marvel Crisis Protocol. That is the name of the game, um, and it is a miniatures superhero battle game. Um, it is not just a punch-your-face game either, and I was, I was a little concerned that it would just be Battle Royale mode all the time, uh, much like the Capcom uh, Avengers slash Marvel video games that you sometimes see that have the basically reskinned Street Fighter. I wanted something more in my superhero game. As a kid, I loved Marvel superheroes. Uh, Captain Captain America is one of my favorite comic characters of all time. I read literally over 150 issues of Captain America almost consecutively as a kid. Um, Iron Man, I read a lot of. Uh, Avengers, X-Men, you name it, I read a lot of comics growing up. Now, 
Um, what makes this game pretty cool is, I mean, if you are a fan of the superhero genre, Marvel Comics in particular, um, you'll know that oftentimes uh, heroes fight. Um, if we look at the MCU, for example, Civil War, uh, the Age of Ultron, the heroes end up fighting themselves often more than they end up fighting the villains. And so um, I think this game is really clever in the way that it approaches characters. Now, there aren't, there isn't a hero faction. There isn't a villain faction. The way this is all laid out is every single person in the game is a character. Um, now, if you are hoping to play a Captain America versus a Wall of Aim agents or Hydra troopers, or you know, the Red Skull versus a pile of police officers or generic Shield lackeys, you're just not going to get that. Um, unfortunately. Uh, I would have liked to have seen that, so I'm saying, unfortunately, um, the the game is limited to just the big names, the the super powered uh, main characters that we all know and love from the comics. Now, of course, that, that doesn't mean that there aren't other basic human models on the board. Um, Black Widow, of course, is one of the you know characters in the core set. So, and she's technically just a quote-unquote normal human. Um, now, if we look at how this works, though, um, when you sit down to play a game of MCP with a friend, you both have a roster of 10 characters. Now, conveniently, the box game comes with 10 characters. So, if you want to play with your friends... Uh, the box game comes with five heroes, five villains. Um, you could sit down to play five heroes versus five villains um, using one of the basic missions that was laid out and shown at Gen Con. In fact, if you add up the sort of the point value for all of the heroes and all of the villains, they basically balance and they match the scenario, one of the scenarios in the boxes, and we'll talk about scenarios in a minute, that allows you to play all the heroes versus all the villains. Now, if you want to mix and match that, though, if you want to give your crew, your team, your roster a little more individuality, you absolutely can. Now, upon release, we're also going to get two more character packs, big ones, too. Hulk and MODOK. Now, um, both of those we haven't seen the cards for, but are anticipated to have sort of a higher point value than your standard um, Captain America, Black Widow, Iron Man, Baron Zemo, Crossbones kind of characters. Now, there there is a differentiation in points there as well, but again, we'll get to that in a minute. Now, it should be said that one of the big things that uh, I was very excited about when I heard FFG is backing this game is, as I was talking about before, that the supply line. Now, unlike some games where, unfortunately, if they're run by a smaller company, and I am looking at... Um, Fallout Wasteland Warfare, where releases were few, far between, and hard to get. Um, this game has, on pre-release you know, pre at Gen Con, they had an entire case of future releases. Um, character packs of villains, of heroes. Um, you have you know everything from the Asgardians to the Guardians of the Galaxy to the characters from Black Panther to you name it. Um, the Spider-Verse, Venom. There's just tons of characters that will be released, apparently, not, of course, at release date, but there will be a steady stream of regular releases. Uh, you know, much like we see with Star Wars Legion or with um, X-Wing, where there is a regular 
release schedule that stores will get in regularly and you can just add to your roster. So when you are building your roster, as I said, you have you take 10 models and you can put it on there. They could be anyone. Um, you could have heroes, you could have villains, it doesn't matter. In the in-flight report when the game was released, they did talk about how um, if you are a fan of the comics or the movies, you will know that you know sometimes you need to band together with your worst enemy to fight a common foe, um, or you know sometimes these you know characters start fighting and then become friends and team up and become regular uh, compatriots. So this will allows you to take anyone with anyone. And while I like this. I also don't like it at the same time. I like the freedom. I like the fact that you can create literally almost any team team up uh, from any comic book you've ever read. And there are countless combinations out there uh, if you're an old Marvel fan. Or even if you're looking at the new universe, I'm sure there are countless combinations that I haven't even heard of that have been around for years. Uh, I'm, I'm definitely out of the loop in the Marvel universe, comic universe. I guess I just have concerns, though, that we're going to see um, people playing this game with team-ups that are just a little weird um, or completely a-thematic. I, I don't know. I, I guess we'll just have to see. I, I'm I'm wary. I guess in my old age, I've turned into a narrative wargamer. I want that narrative. I want that story. I want... Uh, I, I want those things on the tabletop that um, feel right to me. And, you know, having just the, the best combinations of characters for their rules and not necessarily matching up with, you know, the, the history and the universe of the Marvel Universe. Yeah, that doesn't feel great to me. But I guess one of the things I really do like about what I've seen of the character cards so far, and we've only seen the character cards that come in the, in the core game. But for those 10 characters, they feel right. And I think that that might save this game for me um, in that in those character building combinations where you might end up with some strange bedfellows because the characters do kind of what they're supposed to do. You know, it's a as advertised on the tin. Captain America is a leadership model who can take a beating. Um, Iron Man has, you know, lo some long distance, you know, punch. You have very fast characters in the form of Black Widow. Spider-Man zips about the place, um, but he also hits like a truck. I mean, everything sort of feels right. Um, and that, man, that, 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 that feels great to me. Now, when we combine that with the mission creation rules in this game, um, I think it really does sort of stretch out um, what's possible in really, you know, in really exciting ways that really do help drive a narrative. Now, the way missions work is both players have what they call is a, a crisis card. Um, and those crisis cards have, um, you know, the name, the type of crisis it is. And there are two types. There's a secure and there's an extraction where you have to sort of go take something or, you know, go defend something. Uh, and then each card has a maximum threat level and the setup rules and any key rules that you need on the battlefield as far as what, what the objectives are, how to score those, how to win the game. And it's cool in that... Both players play a card. So it's a little bit like Star Wars Legion or Malifaux in that when you come to the table, you don't know the mission you're going to play. You draw the cards, you, you come up with the mission sort of at, on the fly. And then once both cards have been combined, yours and your opponent's, 
then you discover, oh, this is how many points I have to spend. That's pretty cool in my opinion. Um, one of the things I loved about Malifaux is that when you play it, um, you, you can't just take the traditional, you know, quote unquote, net list. Um, you, you have to adapt your crew or you know, your war band to the, what is being expected on that tabletop at that given moment. And given that there are quite a few mission cards for this game, it means that you gotta have 10 characters in your roster before you start that you can pick from once you find out a how many points you have and b what the objectives are and i guess that means that you kind of have to have a, a good variety going on now i'm sure that there are going to be people who are going to metagame this and try and figure it out but you know for the people i'm probably going to be playing against um i think this just really kind of pulls together a lot of what I like about the Marvel Universe, where, you know, characters come together out of opportunity, out of just running into one another. Again, it's that narrative. And, you know, you have to actually go rescue someone. You have to get to the terminals. You have to combine the the pieces of uh, the cosmic cubes. There's just a lot to this that pulls together, and it feels right to me for a game that represents you know, the entire Marvel Universe. It, it's not just going back to that punch-in-the-face battle game. Now, you can play it that way. Um, it, it is a six-turn game, um, or it, the first person who gets to 16 victory points. Now, as I said, there's a number of ways to score victory points depending on the mission, and one of the ways to do that is to kill all of your opponent's models, or take them out of action, I should say. Now, if you do that, you automatically win the game. Now, that is something I'm very not a fan of in other game systems. But what kind of saves this game is that characters' cards have two sides. You have the healthy side and the injured side. And what's interesting is those sides don't always match. Um, so, for example, if I have Captain America in front of me, and he is one of the few cards that has noticeable differences between the two, um, out of the core box anyway, um, you have his healthy side, which has a picture of him looking all dapper in his uniform, and then you have a list of you know all of this, the rules for that particular model on the front, um, his superpowers, his abilities, his health. And once his health has been reached, rather than him being knocked out, you actually put him down for the rest of that turn, and he's considered dazed. Then at the, at the end of the turn, he stands back up, and you flip his card. Now, on the other side is the injured side. Now, he has a special rule that says, I can do this all day. Um, he doesn't get that rule on the healthy side. He only gets it when he's been beaten up and he's injured. And that, again matches the MCU version of Captain America in a really fun way that I absolutely love. Um, now, oftentimes the stats of the characters, specifically how much health they have, um, varies between the healthy card and the injured card. Now, as I said, Captain America is one of the only characters in the box game that has actual special rules that drastically change once he's injured. I can't wait to see how that applies out once we start expanding the universe and seeing what some of the other cards um, and characters that we get down the line. Now, what does this mean as far as uh, what I was talking about a minute ago? Now, it means that you cannot kill, you cannot have like this massive combination um, of superpowers coming together and teaming up on one character. You cannot kill a character at once. 
the very best you can do is knock one down and injure them. Then they stand up at the beginning of the next turn and they have their injured side of the card. Now, this isn't a game that is you go, I go, in that your entire team goes, then my entire team goes. It is alternating activations. So what that means is you... um, you figure out who goes first in a particular turn. Once you've done that, and you do that by rolling dice, um, that person moves their first model. Then the next person moves their model, as in the their opponent, their, the other person playing. And then the first person goes. And what that means is you're not going to get you know wacky combinations of five moves beating up on one model before it can do anything, and then it dies. Um, now, there are combination cards uh, that allow you to do things like have Captain America put up a shield and have Iron Man fire a laser beam and have it bounce off. Um, we've seen a few of these so far. Um, they are around. Uh, we saw some of them leaked at Gen Con. There are supposedly a lot more in the game, and they're one of the things you can pick prior to your game to sort of customize the abilities that your characters can have. Again, we haven't seen all of them yet. Very excited to see how this works. But the way those actually work on the tabletop is one character sort of plays it and then it it works off of the other character who happens to be nearby. It's not that both characters come together and you use both of their activations to make that card work. I guess I should say that every character has two actions for each activation. They can move, they can attack, or they can do a superpower. Now, um, there are different types of moves, there are different types of attacks, and there are different types of superpowers. Clearly, each character has its own form of a superpower. Now, to make those superpowers work, you often have to spend what they call a power token. Um, And you get power tokens at the beginning of your turn, um, so you can get them built up over time. But every time one of your characters takes damage, they gain a power token. Um, So as people are beaten up, um, they're able to use their superpowers. Now, it is interesting how that mechanic works because there are active superpowers and passive superpowers. Now, you can only do active superpowers as one of your activations. So once you're activated, one of your actions can be to have Iron Man use his Friday artificial intelligence uh, superpower. And what that does, it allows him to get bonus dice when he uses his attacks later that turn. This is different from Captain America's uh, passive superpower, uh, which is his vibranium shield, which allows him to add bonus dice uh, when he's attacked. So bonus defense dice. So uh, oftentimes what these superpowers do is they'll allow you to get extra attack dice, extra defense dice, or re-roll those dice. Uh, And that really does help give the characters uh, the flavor that they uh, may have from the comic book. So Captain America feels like he is strong, but he also can take quite the hit when he's holding his shield, and so on. And as I said before, um, there's different ways to move, there's different ways to attack. Um, I was curious to see, for example, could you throw terrain in this game? And yes, the terrain in this game is very interactive. You can pick up a car and throw it if you're strong enough. You can throw up a rubbish bin. You can be thrown into a dumpster. Uh, There's tons of different ways to interact with that train. And the way the the attacks work and the movement works means you can jump over it. You can jump behind it. You can be thrown through things. Um, There's all kinds of really cool ways uh, in which this game really goes out of its way to make it feel like um, the game that you're playing has really jumped out of the pages of the Marvel comic books. Now, another way that this game really tries to give each character its individual flavor is how the attacks and the defense 
system kind of works. There's three kinds of ways that characters can interact with one another when they're attacking one another. Um, we have physical attacks, energy attacks, and mystic attacks. Um, and each character in their own way has a has their own different defense against those types of attacks. It could have been, I mean, it could have been really easy for the makers of this game just to give, you know, each character its own attack or defense value. But given that you're probably only going to have, um, you know, three to seven models on a side, depending on, you know, which mission you're playing and depending on, you know, who those models are, I'm assuming the Hulk is quite a few, um, it, it, I don't think it would have given you sort of the the differentiation that each character sort of deserves. And so because of this, uh, you have characters who have their own unique ways of attacking or interacting with other characters, but then they have their own sort of individual strengths. Um, some characters are stronger in body and maybe not as strong in mind. Uh, others are vice versa. And then you have, you know, heavily armored characters that, or my, characters that might be able to absorb energy. So it really does feel right. Um, and the superpowers that each character has has a characteristic that matches up with one of those three. Um, for example, if I am holding up Iron Man, um, his two basic attacks are Repulsor Blast, um, which is an energy attack. Um, now, he doesn't have to spend any power points um, to, to make that work, so that's his basic attack. And he can do that in hand-to-hand -hand or up to a distance of four, um, and we'll talk about the range rulers in a minute, or he can do a physical attack in the form of homing rockets. Now, in order to do that, he does have to spend power points. Now, each one has different rules. Um, each one has different statistics. Uh, and each has their own individual feel. Now, when defending, Iron Man has stronger armor against physical than he does against energy and mystical. But he is fairly armored against all three. And that is additionally boosted by a special rule called the Invincible Iron Man, which is sort of a passive superpower that he always has, uh, which reduces the amount of damage that he takes by one to a minimum of one every time he takes damage. So that really does help him to feel right. To me, at least. Now, I did mention some range rulers a minute ago. Now, this is not a game that uses traditional tape measures. We don't use inches to measure out, um, distances between models. We don't even use centimeters. Uh, instead, this sort of falls back to the same sort of mechanics that uh, Star Wars Legion uses, um, which is to have sort of movement widgets. Um, there are bespoke bases for the models in this game um, that have a tool that attaches to it, and you move a distance based on your move characteristic. And your move characteristic tells you how long a range ruler you have to move. Um, it, but what that does is, of course, it adds the distance. Um, it adds your base size to the distance your model moves in addition. Um, now, it did take me a little while to get my head around this when I started playing Star Wars Legion, but I like it. I, I think it's kind of cool. Um, Having played in competitive wargaming events for years and years and years, um, one of the biggest feel-bads that can happen in a game when you're talking with someone else is if you feel like you're being sort of rubber-ruled, where someone's not moving their models appropriately, um, as in they're moving them too far. They put their tape measure down, then they move the model, and it's clearly farther than what the tape measure would indicate. Um, and that can lead to some discussion and some bad feelings, um, especially if someone doesn't believe 
believe they're doing it and they might be or it's perceived. Um, with Star Wars Legion, that just doesn't happen because because the the little movement tool fits into one base and you move, you put the tool down, then you put the other one down. There's no ambiguity. It is exactly, is it in range? Yes. Is it not? Well, then no. Um, you can't move your model there. Um, and the weapon ranges are the same thing. Unlike in Star Wars Legion, though, there are five range bands for weapons in this game. Um, now, those have been measured out by people at Gen Con. So range one is one inch. Range two is three inches. Range three is six inches. Range four is eight inches. Range five is 10 inches. So weapon ranges in this can be um, a little on the short side that really does lead to, I think, encourages people to get close for um, fun, fast, and furious games. Now, just to give you an idea of ranges, because it was one of the things I was wondering when I got into this game. When Captain America throws his shield, he can throw it up to eight inches. Uh, likewise, when Iron Man fires his homing rockets, he can go up to 10 inches, but his repulsor blasts only go eight uh, meanwhile, Spider-Man, his webbing goes four, and if he's firing a taser web, uh, clearly that's probably from the comic books, uh, that is six inches. Meanwhile, Black Widow's uh, very famous strike is, um, you know, her energy blast from her gauntlets, only four inches. So again, it's, it's tight, it's fast. And I think that'll just lead to a lot of fun, which I'm very excited about because that's, I guess, the whole purpose. Now, I did also mention earlier um, that I wanted themed games. I wanted narrative. I wanted fluff. Um, and I was a little concerned, um, even though I wanted you know you to be able to take sort of traditional teams, um, combinations that you would expect in the Marvel Universe. I was concerned that if you did take one of those teams and this game did reward you for that, that you would get a bonus that would perhaps um, be, pardon the pun here, a little overpowered. Uh, I am pleased to see, though, they did include some faction focus. Now, there are cards that allow you to, for example, take characters that have an Avengers focus. Um, now, that will play out in one of two ways. Um, if you take a team and you have one of the additional faction cards and every model in your team is represented by one of the models listed on that card, there are bonuses. Now, they're not significant bonuses. They're not major bonuses. But there is a little nod if you want to play you know, thematically to sort of the traditional teams that we would know and love. Um, but they also play out a different way. Certain characters, the Red Skull and Captain America, are the only two in the core set, for example, that have these so far, um, that have leadership abilities. Now, the way that works is um, your team gains an ability through Captain America called uh, One Day Like Any Other. And it only works if your entire team has the Avengers affiliation. Um, and it means that you get to reduce the cost of the first superpower used by each allied character by one to a minimum of one every turn. Now, from my playing of this game, that I, the playthroughs that I have done, that seems good. I don't think it's overpowered, though. Look, it's a great ability. Uh, but again, I think what it does is it just it adds that fluff. It adds that flavor that I desperately wanted in this game. And it seems to be delivering. Now, I did say earlier that I would come back and talk about the dice. Now, this game uses eight-sided dice. 
Now, right off the bat, you <laughs> just like uh, Star Wars Legion, um, they, it has bespoke dice. Um, there are eight sides to the dice, as I mentioned, and they aren't just numbered one to eight. Um, they have symbols. Now, um, when I first started messing around with this, um, I bought blank dice. I bought blank uh, eight-sided dice, and I, I drew the logos in. And I was curious to see if I would be able to pick up these symbols quickly and i'm pleased to say i i was um and so i don't think that is a big deal now it's the sides of the dice that really do add a lot of nuance to the game now there are as i said eight sides um there's a critical there's two hits there's a block there's two blanks but then there's two other ones there's a wild and a failure so the way this game basically works is, let's say, for example, I am rolling with Miss Marvel, or Captain Marvel, I should say, in this game, and she's firing her energy blast at somebody downrange. Now, she has a range that is an energy attack that has a strength of four. So you would get to roll four dice. Now, if she rolled those four dice and she got a hit, a crit, a blank, and a fail you would have two successes, one from the hit, one from the crit. But the crit, basically, in some game systems, allows you to call it, I guess, an exploding dice. Basically, what that means is you get to roll another dice. Um, so in this case, Captain Marvel would get to roll an additional fifth dice. Um, now, with that, she let's say she rolled another hit. She would have three successes, two hits and the crit, because the crit counts. Um, now, the blank does nothing for her, but she would be able to re-roll that if she had uh, a superpower, one of those team-up cards I mentioned before, uh, if someone was assisting her, if another character allowed her to re-roll, um, or if one of her own superpowers allowed her to do that. Um, now, what's interesting, though, is the fail. The fail cannot be modified and cannot be re-rolled. So it really does... Um, sort of give you a feeling of something that's happening in the game. Those those failures and the wilds really do add some interesting dynamics because it means that you sometimes can't use the superpowers that you might be expecting that you can use. Um, but interestingly, the wild is a cool one too because quite a lot of the superpowers have a wild symbol on there. For example, with the rocket punch, if you got a wild in determining that result um, would allow you to get unlock a bonus ability, which is called stagger, which is after this attack is resolved, um, the target gains the stagger special condition. And there are some special uh, conditions in the game that are, of course, covered in the rule book that, again, just adds that flavor and adds uh, variety to the way the game works. And it also keeps the game from being sort of same-samey. Um, it's one of the things I didn't notice about the game, and I, I didn't really realize I liked it until I started playing it um, when I had characters bouncing off one another. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're able to hit someone and they stagger. Or in this case, if you have Captain America um, and he can ricochet this. Um, so after this attack is resolved, this character may make an additional shield throw attack. Um, this And it must uh, target someone next to the original target character, which is very you know, thematic and super matches what you see in the comic books and, uh, of course, in the movies. And it's just really cool that 
the these superpowers, these abilities that these characters have are nuanced out again. Now, are those things guaranteed? No, there's a one in eight chance that you might get a wild um, on a dice. And, you know, it depends on the strength of the attack. Clearly, some attacks roll lots of dice. Now, if you're rolling... You know, Captain uh, Captain Marvel's rocket punch, which uh, from this is strength seven, so she rolled seven dice. That's a hell of an attack. Um, in fact, I think that is the strongest in the core box. Um, but you have to spend a lot of superpower to get it to go off. Um, you have a, a decent chance of staggering your foe because you're rolling seven dice, and of those seven dice, you have a one in eight chance to stagger. So you have a very decent chance, I should say, um, to get that ability to go off. Of course, not guaranteed, which is kind of cool. And I like that quite a lot. Now, some of these special conditions that are activated by using the wild dice um, are things like bleed, um, you can incinerate, poison, there can be a root attack, clearly I think root's involved here, Um, shock, slow, stagger, stun, and hex, Uh, again, Scarlet Witch. Uh, I think it's great that they are really going out of their way to add that that character and that that individual feel that each um, particular character has on the tabletop, which is great. Now, you might ask yourself, who are these characters Why <laughs> that you keep talking about? Well, the core set comes with, as I said, 10 specific characters. Um, five heroes in the form of Spider-Man, Iron Man, Captain America, Black Widow, Captain Marvel. And five villains in the form of the Red Skull, Baron Zemo, Crossbones, Doc Ock, and of course, Ultron. Now, that is pretty darn cool because you get right off the bat in the core game, you get some of the heavy hitters of the Marvel Universe, some of the biggest characters from the movies and comic books um, that are just there right off the bat, which is really cool. You also get a variety of terrain. Um, I believe you get two cars, you get two small buildings in the form of a coffee shop and a newsstand. and I believe you also get a dumpster and some scattered terrain. That's a lot for what is considered to be $100 US retail when it comes out. Now, in Australia, we're looking, I believe, at $175 retail. Um, I'm not sure that has been officially announced yet. But it is coming soon. Um, it is coming in October, apparently. Um, so I'm hoping that we will see this um, in Australia by Christmas. Or well before. I'm really hoping that this will be a game that I feature uh, on the Cast Die second annual uh, celebration show because this show kicked off, of course, on Halloween almost two years ago. Now, uh, we are sort of reaching the end of sort of our high-level overview of this game. I am super excited. Um, I've played with a number of the characters at this point, both um, just doing the old one character against another, point blank, punching, die rolling, seeing how the mechanic works. And then I've also proxied it on a board using, uh, <clears throat> honestly, Malfoy models. But um, it, it was good to see how this worked. And um, once I actually started playing it, I was pretty sold on how the whole system works. Now, of course, I need to see how all of the team-up cards work, how all the mission creation cards work, the affiliation cards. Once we have the full game in our grubby little paws, I think it's going to be very exciting. And then uh, we'll get the full flavor. But until then, I think um, that will bring this episode of Cast Dice to a close. Uh, Now, some of you will have noticed in the last week that we have started a 
brand new YouTube channel. Now, if you look at that at the moment, it is only episodes of Cast Dice and the official Warlord Games podcast, both of which are, of course, the podcasts on this podcast now podcast network going forward every episode of this podcast and the other um, that i mentioned everything that is on this network will also be uploaded to youtube Uh, we have gotten uh, feedback over the years that people wanted episodes posted there um, so they could listen to it at at work Um, so i'm not necessarily condoning that you listen to uh, my voice when you're working in an office uh please use headphones uh however uh i am listening as always to fan or listener feedback uh and that is feedback that i got so that is what we are doing um but what that is really opened the door for is something that i've talked about for quite a while which is um actually showing people the games that we talk about and so, though I do need to work up on it, when this podcast did start, um, way back when, all those years ago, uh, and I am talking about the original LRDG, what, seven, eight years ago, um, the sound quality was nowhere near what it is now. Um, and my ability to uh, record and to put things out in a timely fashion has dramatically increased over the years. And uh, I am hoping that my skill set will soon include uh, videos um, that I can upload for you to enjoy on YouTube. Um, I, of course, as I said, would like to start doing um games, uh, gameplay videos, so you can see these games that we talk about. But in the meantime, while we work up to that, uh, I believe we are going to start with simple product reviews, cringe, maybe an unboxing video or two, depending on what's coming out. Um, Those are not always my favorite. But I also want to really get into and show off some of the models that, again, we talk about on this podcast. But podcasting is, of course, Uh, an audio medium, so you don't actually get to see what I'm talking about, and some people aren't able to access the Facebook page to see the pictures of the models that we talk about. So um, I I am hoping to do army showcases, um, show off some of my bolt action forces, um, some of the beautiful models that Patch has painted for me over the years, um, and just some of the wonderful projects that um, both my opponents and I have completed uh, and would be, you know, kind of cool to show off on the internet. Anyway... Uh, If you have feedback about this episode, um, if you're as excited about this game as I am, or and you want to talk shop, or if you just want to talk about things you'd like to see on the new YouTube page, of course you can find me through our Facebook page at Cast Dice. C-A-S-T-D-I-C-E. If you type that into the search bar on Facebook, you'll find our page. And uh, you can message me there. My name is Brad. I'm the only person that answers it. And I look forward to hearing from you. But until then, uh, let me just say the usual goodbye, which is while you are playing the games that we know and love, I hope your dice roll hot. I hope your beverages are cold. But more than anything else, when you are playing these games that we all know and love, I hope you're having fun. This is Cast Dice saying good night.
Russian.